Welcome back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, we are talking with Thad Lutkins. He is Director of Equipment and IT at LPR Construction. That's really not a small thing whatsoever because you have a ridiculous amount of kind of like vehicles and stuff that you guys like lease and rent and take care of and all that stuff out there, right? So first of all, welcome to the show and um, let's just plug your company first. What are you guys doing? Oh, thank you, Phil. I appreciate you inviting me to be over here um, and, and your podcasts are great. So give you a little plug there. I've been listening to those and I've been very impressed with uh, and thank you for reminding you had on here. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> and honestly, you're reminding me to do something that I always forget to do that everyone like I have podcast coaches and they tell me to do these things and I never do them. And that is, if you like the podcast, could you please go on to uh, Apple iTunes or whatever it is, search that it's not that easy to do. Please do it for me. You'd really be doing me a favor if you like this and rate our podcast and give us an honest review right? Honestly, give us an honest review on whatever the platform it is that you're listening to. So Thad, thank you. So moving on to construction vehicles. Diesel. Yeah. So um, I, you know, started in my career here at LPR you know, 21 years ago. <laughs> it's quite, quite a while ago, but it's been a, a fun ride. The, the company has been in um, business for 41 years and that's not an easy task uh, in construction. You, um, is something that we've evolved considerably, and um, I was brought in to change things over with uh, with our um, IT side of the business. IT is not typically something you think can couple together with construction, but our company, we're spread across the entire United States. We erect steel for large buildings, some of the buildings that we've um, We've come across and, and built all the steel in the Atlanta Braves Stadium. If you've seen that, um, oh, that's cool. The stadium is just beautiful, and gorgeous. In Colorado, Phil, I know you're from Colorado, Coors Field. We installed all the steel in Coors Field. Um, we don't do just stadiums. We also do large um, rocket stands. That's another thing that we've been building um, as of recently. I mean, like literally, um, the thing that that holds the rocket standing up straight. That the rocket takes off from? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So we've been doing a lot of that. Um, we've been working with NASA. Um, we've been working um, with a few other, I, I can't really disclose those companies, but um, a few other companies out there that cool. do like launches stuff. in, yeah. Yeah, in, in Florida and, and, and in, in Texas as well. So Okay, so wicked um, cool. What's even cooler is that you've been at the company for like, 20 years is that right yeah yeah they do they give you like do you get like a pen or a watch or something you know like hey thank you for being with us for 20 years here's a pen um you know, <laughs> i'm joking you're like no i didn't i didn't even get that um but that's okay you don't need that just you know just please let me know that it is valued here that's all i need to know and we're going to get on to that but real quick seriously 1999 what did the network look like there when you first came over were you, I mean, information systems manager in 1999, what were you doing? Yeah. What were you so, doing back then? I was a one man shop at that point in time. Uh, yeah. got, showed up, we had one server, which was Novell Netware 4.1. You can remember that. Um, <laughs> Novell Netware 
Groupwise was on that server, which was if you knew where I was in 1999. You'd be like, "No, Phil, you wouldn't remember anything." But keep going. <laughs> <laughs> not a good, it's not a good story. <laughs> but go right, on. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, probably we a good story. Not a good, questions. not a good picture. Uh, but go on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I show up here. We have no remote connectivity. We are actually taking hard copy documents and um, fax machine was big at that point in time, but we didn't even get to that point where we were faxing stuff. We were taking invoices, documents, um, construction bids, all, all that was put into a manila folder, uh, put into a FedEx envelope and shipped to the office or shipped to the job site, depending on which direction you need to go. So it was all snail mail was our, um, was our mode of, of communication, which. Isn't that kind of cool that like, there's, there's some people out there that are probably like, what the fax machine was big. Like the fax machine was big. Like that was a big deal. That's crazy. When we talk about that now, we're kind of like, huh? Right. Right. Fax machine. You, you, it's hard to find one. I mean, if you ever need to, you, you have to go hunt one down. It's not, it used to be that shoot everybody, every business that you went to, that was, the pinnacle of their technology was look at our fax machine. It, it, it's a Hewlett Packard. Wow. You're, you're spending a lot of money there. Um, <laughs> uh, uh. But that we, we truly evolved. You know, I saw that. I said, boy, we, we, we really need to expand what we have. And as far as capabilities, we need uh-huh. to start leveraging technology. Um, First and foremost, let's look at what we have as far as um, our network. Uh, let's let's focus on what exactly we can do in the short term to improve everybody's lives. And one of those things was let's get rid of Nobel. Nobel served its purpose. What did it do? What were there. you guys using it for day to day? So it was a um, a file server, basically. I mean, it was a file server, and it also did like what Microsoft does now with Active Directory, uh-huh. you had that sort of same structure in Novell Network in which yeah. it would manage your users. You could assign email addresses. It would um, create a group-wise account for you so you could email back and forth. Um, it, was, it was a solid product, but you know, like a lot of technology and, and technology companies where they sit on their laurels uh-huh. And they feel like they they have such a good product, they don't need to innovate. They don't need to adapt. They don't need to change. And they continue going down that same path. And they struggle when newer technologies come out that are easier to use, that are that have a GUI interface. I mean, Novell did not have a GUI interface. It was all command line driven. Like F1, F2, Shift F1, 3, that type of stuff. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of, I mean, eventually they started integrating their command, the um, use the GUI interface, but yep. for the most part, it was all just yeah. text-based. And, and so it made it very complicated when you had issues, um, you had to call somebody to get support. And back then really you didn't have like pull up your, your webpage type in um, Novell Netware and Google that and try to figure out exactly what's going on with your issue. You had to actually reach out to 
Novell specifically and get one of their support team staff to help you out. And hopefully it wasn't in the middle of the night because they didn't have a 24 seven. What's your general, um, just in, in general, what, would you say softer support is worse than telecom support or, I mean, what do you think? I'm just thinking of like support. How's your vendor support in general when you call vendors? Uh, you, you know, it, our vendor support, it depends on the product, but um, if you're, if you're going to be looking at software versus, um, you know, physical telecom, let's say cell phone, we, we actually have, we've broken up with our, our support system on the telecom industry. And we actually use a third-party vendor to help us navigate that. And, and it, because we, we will spend 15, 20 minutes uh, on a simple password change for somebody's voicemail call. One of my the help desk um, folks, I don't want him spending 15, 20 minutes or even even longer just to change a voicemail password. This this is um, you, you know now it's it's a little more automated with website, but this was you know three years ago. Yeah, no, we, thank we you. <laughs> we call those um, we call those Mac attacks. Move and change God. like a, like a Mac attack. You know, um, I had a Mac attack the other night. If I if I let myself go, I'll I'll eat two or three Big Macs at once. I've been on like. <laughs> on a pretty good diet. I've been on a pretty good diet here for like a month and a half. And every time I drive by McDonald's, my wife thinks I'm crazy. She hates it anyway. She's like, how can you eat that crap? I'm like, oh, still, I could eat three of them right now. Um, oh, it's more so importantly, yeah. <laughs> more importantly, over the years, you've been through a lot of, I would say changes. Um, you kind of were hinting at it when you said, you know, we're good. We don't need to innovate. So you've seen that you've seen kind of the ebb and flow, maybe the sign curve of a, of executive management and, and having to request upgrades and, and changes. And you're not the only one you're, 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 there's many other IT directors, managers, CTOs, whatever out there that have dealt with the, um, they may have had a vision. They may have known that they need to change. They may have a, a vision for kind of, a, you know, moving the technology forward and run into various different walls, uh, so to speak. How do you justify upgrades and spend where you might not necessarily have the money in the budget or maybe you guys don't run off a very strict budget or whatever it is, but how are you selling these things to executive management at a construction company where you might have some people that um, not to stereotype construction people at all, but you know, you might have a little bit more pushback than say a um, technology firm. That's, that's a great question. Um, and, and really that's something I've been working on this past year and something I've really been focusing on now. What I had to do is, look at the big picture, look at the entire organization. Uh, we at LPR, we have a very forward thinking CEO, um, Link Turner. He's, he's done a fantastic job of bringing in different systems to run the business. One of those systems that he's brought in, and um, I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's called Traction. It's a book called Traction. Yep. Traction 
is written by Gino Wickman. A uh, little background on Gino. He's, his dad was an ex- uh, executive management consultant, went into companies, uh, had them read specific books and, and, and bring those you know, ideas to the, the organization to steer and, and get the company moving to, uh-huh. into the direction that they, they needed to go to be successful. Gotcha. Well, he really went in and took all of the different books that are out there, the management bo- books, and good, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Sure. Um, such a great. Pulled yeah. all the really focused items um, that he felt like really drove the organization and pulled those and made highlighted those and made that part of a complete entrepreneurial system. So that's, um, so there's an entrepreneurial organization uh, system, operating system. So it's called the EOS that we use in our company. Yeah. And part of the, the EOS that we run and we've established um, is the fact that, you know, when, when you look at the entire organization, you have to really focus in on what, what your core values are. That's one of the big principles is figuring out your core values of your organization. And those are what truly drive change and tr- drive you to move forward and expand your capabilities as a, as a company. Then um, with, the, with those core values, you establish what's called a VTO. And that's a vision traction organizer that I'm just so thrilled. We haven't had that you know, this this came into play maybe three or four years ago in the organization. Mm-hmm. And the vision traction organ, uh, organizer, it lays out, first of all, what your core values are. You know what your core values are and you're measured against those in your right. department. Mm-hmm. It also um, lays out a one-year plan on what we are going to accomplish in this next year as an organization. Yep. Then it pulls in a three-year plan. Uh-huh. Um, so you got the short term, a little bit longer term. Yep. And then it actually makes a leap out into a 10-year plan in which the those are the big audacious goals that everybody puts out there. They're yep. um, scary goals like we're going to be a billion-dollar company uh, by 2030. We're going there's, to, there's a lot of big goals in there, but the nice thing is, is that we have these all listed and shared with the entire organization. So talk to me. So how does this apply to, how are you taking this and applying it to IT in your department? And I remember when we talked briefly about this before, you talked about this people analyzer thing, which is really, um, yeah, yeah. I, I got to know about that. I got to know about that. So how are you, okay, so... Like, you know, you got, you have the vision. I'm assuming that trickles down to your department. You have a vision for your department and how are you, how is your department, how are you mixing this in? Like, so first of all, I think, I think the big thing here is a, you're on a level of communication with executive management um, and understanding, you understand very clearly from the top down, you understand very clearly what the vision of the company is from a one year, three year, 10 year plan and how now is IT going to contribute to that plan? Yeah, so so it's no secret. We know what the goals are. 
I have to tell you in the past, that wasn't clear. It really wasn't clear. It was something that was an enigma. I had to guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there's a lot of other IT directors that are out there. They're like, uh, they're in that position so right if they now. Are they are in that position know. though, and they don't have the benefit of working for a company uh, with a you know a visionary leader, right? Like like you said, Link, right? Link Turner, like who's going to bring in all these systems and processes and everything like that. They could go have those conversations with the executive management and say, "Hey, what are we trying to do here?" Right. Yes. And and prior to that, I did I did drive a lot of those conversations, uh-huh. and. Um, but it was interesting, Phil. Um, you you think that the, and and I'm not knocking anybody that was that was in the executive team, but it it was a little different twist and a different view than from one executive to the other. So yeah, because we're humans and we wake up every day and we have a family and we're basically trying to put food on the table and and live our lives and do these things. So yeah, it probably would be different from one to the next. Right, right. So it's a little interpretation. This makes it a little more concrete um, uh, in which I can look, I can look this over yeah. and I can see what are or when your goals are. When, when it comes to budget time, uh-huh. I pull, I pull this up and I look at, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? One of the, one of the big things is we want a culture of accountability. That's, that's one of the one year goals that we have culture uh-huh. of accountability and we are profit protectors. I need yeah. to put my business cap on and think of it using an IT background and being able to adapt and adjust to what the organization is trying to accomplish. And, you know, if, I, if I'm a profit protector, number one, I need to be very concerned about any ransomware attacks. I need to be very concerned about any viruses i need to be concerned about people hacking into the system stealing confidential information there there's a there's all kinds of different ways that you can take that and view that actual goal that we have in the one year goal and we can we can apply that um i also you know took it a, a, a next step if if we're holding people accountable now that's part of that that whole piece yeah yeah it makes it easier for we end users. Build. It makes it easier to tell end users yeah. like, hey, you know, you're accountable for not clicking on that stupid thing. Yes, you're accountable. Because, you're <laughs> because you would kill the profit. <laughs> yes, yeah. If That's you awesome. have to spend a million dollars on a ransomware attack, there goes all of your profit out the door and you're stuck holding the bag. And that is my responsibility that's the way i look at it is like uh, okay um as the it director i'm i need to make sure where i'm communicating that to all users also um on top of that you know we we are also on uh, looking at if we don't if we have an issue something comes up we can we can hold other people accountable if they continue to behave that way we have this to back us up and say hey we've we've talked to you about this. You have issues. Either we're yep. going to take access completely away or uh-huh. um, we're going to give you the fax machine back one, one or the other. Um. <laughs> um, well, that's like, you know, <laughs> we're taking email away. You now must mail things again. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the people analyzer or is, is that the people analyzer? And that's how you're analyzing people. 
via the via the so, vision. Yes, that's that's a great tool that we use to evaluate. We do this on a quarterly basis. Part of the system requires that you give feedback to your employees on a quarterly basis, which is amazing because most of the time you have annual reviews and you don't, it, quarterly is not something that is typically done um, yep. throughout the throughout the business world. Yeah, but we sit down. We have a scorecard that we go through that's actually um, the first three components of the of the people analyzer is yeah. do you do you get it? Do you get your job? Do you want your job? Big question. That's you know, do you, does somebody maybe somebody's fantastic at what they do, but they just yeah, yeah. absolutely hate what they do yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and don't really want it. And, or yeah. do you have the capacity to, to actually do the job that you've been asked ability, to, you've been hired? Capacity, for? ability. Can you, do you have the talent level? Can you do it? Like you're a heart surgeon, but you never went through medical school, like that type of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So those yeah. are the three core first questions that we, that are asked. And if anybody gets a minus on there, that is a red flag that they potentially are in the wrong seat in that position or potentially the seat is not the proper seat for the organization. So Uh you've got, you've got to look at it very clearly. And is it something that they can overcome? You need to think about that. If it's, if it is that, you know, example that you used, are they going to be able to go to medical school in the next six months and, and figure it out? Yeah, yeah, uh, not not likely. Um, so you have to evaluate: is this person, you know, is he going? To, are they going to be able to make that transition to the next level? And mm. uh, if not, then really, ultimately, you 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 put them on notice. You let them know, hey, you've got the next quarter to work on this mm. and improve it. If you don't come back um, with improvements, then sorry, that's strike two. And if you come back again, strike three, you're, you're out. So, so I'm assuming you like what you do. I'm assuming you want to keep doing what you're doing because you've been there for 20 years and I'm pretty sure you have the capacity to do it. So for your, your scorecard, I I think we're getting a check mark on every box. Um, Let me ask you this uh, and, and apply all this stuff that we're talking about to it. How would you say your end users in your company, um, do they get IT? Do they want the systems that you're putting in place? And um, do they have, are you providing systems that give them the ability to do their job better? And how do you know that you are? Right. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's definitely one of the big questions. Um, <laughs> are are we adding value is really what you're getting at. Are, is IT adding value to the organization? Or yeah, and then I'm going to go out even a step further. And how do you prove that you're adding a value? How are you measuring that? Right, yeah. So it's it's funny that you, you, you talk about that because this is also can be tied into um, the the EOS system that we're using at the org, in the organization. Um, but... You know, to answer your first question, uh, do do people like the technology that we're rolling out? I mean, 
all right, we're, we're human. We're creatures of habit. We like mm-hmm. a lot of the same consistent things over and over, which not everybody, you know, likes change. IT, in IT, we embrace change because that's our lives. That's what we have to do. We need to be able to pivot and adapt every time a new technology comes out and uh-huh. figure out how to incorporate it with our organization. Or, or maybe we feel like, hey, this is just a fad. It's going to come and go. And we can so you've got to be able to help people issue. over that hump. The biggest example that I can think of that came to my head when you said that was the doctor that was using manila folders forever and now he gets Epic thrown at him and he's got to use this crazy EMR, CRM, whatever, healthcare management system. And uh, they're probably some of the toughest people to take on new technology based on being the smartest person in the room and having gone through medical school and all that. I was talking with my doctor the other day about this. And uh, he admits he admits himself, right? Like, no, I'm definitely, we, we are definitely the, the hardest people in the organization to accept new technology and use it. Um, But after I started using it, right, you know, like the value is so high, I got to get over that hump. So there must be some way that you're proving value or coaching that value to end users. The, The biggest motivator I've found is demonstrating to our superintendents. Let's, let's use them as an example. Okay. They are always, you know, a little skeptical when it comes to new technology that's a big change in their world. Yep. But if I can prove to them and say, hey, this new system and way of doing your job is going to result in higher bonuses, better performance, you're going to look more favorable to the entire organization, you are opening yourself up to a promotion, you could actually move from superintendent level to a project manager. That communication to them is, is so essential that if you, if you lose that and you don't have that conversation, a lot of times they're, they're going to ignore what you tell them and they're not going to take that and run with it. So um, that's, that's a little bit of the obstacles that you run into is if you, if you, if you can explain it in a way that shows them that they are, if they take this on, it's going to improve their lives. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes they don't, even, even after those conversations, it, it doesn't sink in. And we have to rely on, hey, we will we'll go talk to um, the operations, the COO, and say, hey, can you please help us get some of this uh, have a conversation with our with the specific superintendent he's he's resisting he's not changing and it's it's going to cost us a lot of money if if we don't if we let him just continue to go down that path and and you know what's in it so George, Lawrence, what's in it for them the classic like you know show them you know the kind of what what why here's what we're doing here's yes. what i needed to do and and here's the why and here's the benefit to you and yeah, and go on from there and get cheerleaders to help you. <laughs> Absolutely. Get, get other cheerleaders to help you um, with implementing things. How, again, I'm going to push you on this. What are you measuring? Okay. So for us in our, our department, uh-huh. we use the EOS system 
in which incorporates things um, like rocks. So we have rocks in which are developed on a quarterly basis. Uh-huh. They're quarterly goals that are that start from the top. Uh-huh. So from the executive team, they get is- issued rocks to each one of the executives uh-huh. and their specific responsibilities within the organization. I report to the CFO. Uh-huh. So one of his rocks in this um, previous quarter was to um, help build a better manpower management system or improve our manpower management system that we're using currently. Um, okay. That's that's not an easy task because... I don't even know what that means. You have to explain to me what that means. Okay, so manpower management is the assignment of individuals to a particular project and also how many people you need on a job. Gotcha. Enough said. So it's basically like kind of like deployment of people and ensuring that we've got the right people on the job for the right amount of time and not too many people where someone's sitting around twiddling their thumbs, but not too little people where we're not making enough progress, really kind of streamlining that process. Absolutely. And it it helps with forecasting how much we're going going to spend on labor for that particular time period. And there's a lot of pieces that are involved with this. So so in steps Thad to save the day. Yeah, that's, this, well, <laughs> this is where we go. Okay, well, we, I'm going to present options to you. And Great. Already, good, better, and best. Here, here's good. Here's better. Here's best. Yes. So <laughs> Anyways. I've presented options in which, hey, there, there is a prepackaged software off the shelf that we could buy that would actually mm-hmm. help us right away I mean, it's going to take some time, learning curve, whatnot, yeah. to get, get it up and running. But this yeah. does cost money, and it's going to be a little pricey to get it, get it up and running. Uh-huh. Second option, let's, let's move this, this actual spreadsheet that we have that we're currently using that is more mm. complex than um, you know, <laughs> rocket science. So... <laughs> It's pretty pretty unusual, but it's it's one of these spreadsheets that's developed over time and is specific to our company. And that- CFOs are great with spreadsheets. I, I've oh. from being at many startup ISPs and things like that, when it came to pricing out backhaul and this link and that link all the way back, you know, all the way to the you know customer, there were some crazy spreadsheets. Let's just say that. Oh, and when yeah, I got to a new was, company, and then when I went from one company in the past to a new company, I was like, hey, where's the spreadsheet? You're like, you don't get access to that spreadsheet. I was like, well, my old company I had access to the spreadsheet. I know there's a spreadsheet. They're like, no, you don't get access to that special pricing spreadsheet. I'm like, look, I already know what's on the spreadsheet. Anyways, go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy calculator. It's a crazy formula that's going to calculate, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, margins and return on investment and hours and take into consideration labor and all these other things. But anyways, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, our, our next option that we throw out there, option B, is um, we could simply just, instead of having it on a shared drive, let's put it in SharePoint and give access to the folks that need it. You know, a lot of the problem that we have with that, that particular item specifically is that multiple people are in that spreadsheet at all times. It's a shared document. They, it gets corrupted Sloppy. constantly. Yeah, it is, it is ugly mess. 
And so the, the proposal that we came up with was to put it on SharePoint, share it out to who needs it, uh-huh. and only give access to ch- people to make changes for specific people. You got to check it out, check it back in. And that is an honest question. Uh, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. So that's, okay. that's the direction that they're choosing to go with that. And that was our <laughs> rock. Okay. <laughs> so, I was going to say, did you heavily weigh the software piece? <laughs> Were you heavily shooting for the software? We did. <laughs> so I, I, I have to say I'm guilty of really wanting, wanting that. Uh, software. Thad, let me just, I, Thad, 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 it's enough, enough. Okay. Can I just ask you one question? Which one's the cheapest? You're like, ah, oh, the SharePoint. Okay. We're going with that. Uh, next <laughs> item. <laughs> next. No. So, so, I'm but, but, that. you know, I planted, uh, uh, you know, at that point, it gave me an opportunity to plan a seed and say, right. okay. Because if this you, doesn't work, because if the spreadsheet ends up being sloppy and a failure, then, you know, next. Yeah, like, we, you'd, we I told look you. at that other option. Oh, uh, yeah, and, and, and so the seed is there. We've looked at the software. There, there are some things that we have to overcome. You know, the, the, the other big issue is the, the fact that people want a technology that you're replacing a, another technology with to act exactly the same. And you got to explain to them somehow and convey that we're not, it's not a one for one transition from here. It's, it's, it's not going to act the same way going from, from this software to this next software. You've literally got to make no a, way. You know, and that's back to the seven habits of highly effective people thing. You literally have to make a paradigm shift when you move to a new te- like technology of some sort, right? It's right. how do you go from um, uh, e Microsoft three sixty five or Teams to Google Docs? How do you? Right. You know, how do you go from you know I don't know yeah using all those applications to G Suite? People do it, right, right. and they and, do it in huge, actually, massive companies too. We've actually lived that with going from paper drawings, paper hand copy uh-huh. drawings, to tablet-based drawings, in which we issued tablets out to the field, uh-huh. and all the drawings are on the tablets now. The resistance was just through the roof because yeah. these guys have their entire lives. That's all I've known is paper, physical yeah. paper. Yeah, but once once we were able to get them get that in their hands, get their mind to change and shift, yeah, the yeah. paradigm shift was massive, and we got so much momentum across the organization. The huh. improvement on productivity. We don't have to go wait for a new sheet of of paper coming from the Repographics company, print it out and ship to the job site. You, there's a lot of production time that's being lost just waiting on drawings to be delivered to the job site. That's a great example. That's a, we've, a we've beautiful eliminated. example. So that was something that we did. We were able to get traction on that and, and be able to push through the organization. And right now our superintendents, if you told them, if you tell them that, Hey, you're going to have paper drawings on this job, they will, they will scream They'll fight for their iPads huh. and they will tell you that huh. there's no way we're going to build this job off of paper drawings. Huh? Yeah, that's, so, um, I can imagine, I can really imagine the 
productivity from that. Yeah. You know, not, not to mention the ability to edit and make changes and have instant access and share across the world. Um, right. The yeah. collaboration piece is, is huge to be able to let somebody know that, hey, there's a, there's a problem that exists yeah. right here. I can take a picture of it and place it in the drawings so somebody else in another trade can come and fix that problem and not have to, you wash your hands of it basically and say, I've handed it off to the next person and that next person needs to deal with that. So if I, if I offered you a job today for $5 million a year and I put you in charge of the, I'm making this up off the top of my head right now. I'm really, (laughs) I'm firing. I'm feeling this. If I give you five, if I gave you $5 million a year, um, you only have to work um, four hours a week this sounds great. Um, <laughs> I'm already uh, in. I mean, like, I don't I'm care in, what it is. Um, <laughs> you've got to make the best hiring decisions for every IT director, um, at least four IT directors a month for every company. And you've only got four hours a week to pick each one. I want to ask you, what is the question that you would ask them that would tell you right away this is the guy. And I'm not saying there is one question. You might have to ask a ton of follow-up questions, but what would be your first question to ask an IT director that would really be, that would really determine his level of leadership? I would not, I'd want to know what, what results they've had with their business. Give me, give me a list of all of your results. Um, I, I'm, I, I, I'm a very firm believer in, in what you've accomplished and what you've done throughout your, your career. That speaks volumes. And I'd also want to know of their failures as well. So, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Is you need to be able to take risks and be willing to fail and still show that, hey, that didn't, that didn't stop me. I continued down that path. So I mean, that's a. How that's do you measure? Um, how do you measure results? Through through our results, um, we we sit down and you know on that quarterly basis with rocks. Did we actually accomplish what we set out to accomplish? Uh, give me three rocks? things. Give me three bullet points that we can give to IT directors out there in the field right now. That we can say, hey, you can measure this labor before and after, uh, productivity in this piece, or um, straight up money. I mean, what is it? Like, what are the biggest eye openers for your CFO that if you went back and 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 you get you gave him these three? Look at what we did right now. What would he just be like? Oh my gosh! Jump out of his seat and high five you. Well, we're one of the primary things is um, improved productivity. And, and I talked about this in this example of converting yeah. over from paper drawings to. Yeah. So how do we measure that? Drawing. Yeah. So how do we measure that? Like, wh- I know it's, I know the numbers are there. I'm just saying like, what were the numbers? Yeah. The, uh, the numbers, um, unfortunately it's like a little bit more of a soft cost. But you can you can see the performance of the projects. I mean, our projects 
You can I'm look okay at with soft costs. I was in sales for years. Okay. We always, <laughs> and we'd always be like, well, here's the hard cost, but the soft costs, <laughs> you know, and then you go through this return on investment. Like, think about this, think about this. I know it's not right there in front of you on the piece of paper, but this is what you're going to be able to achieve. Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, ultimately uh, there's, there's a lot of soft costs, um, benefits from the, org- throughout the organization when you start looking at that. Um, but you also look at performance, jobs, performance. Uh, w- were they more productive? Were they able to complete the job in fewer hours than they were estimated in? Was it estimated to do be a thousand hours of work and did you come in at, uh, at 900 hours uh, or did you exceed that? I mean, where are we at? Yeah. Um, those are those are the things that we'd like to look at, and we do look at productivity. But my piece, you know, the IT piece, you can't directly say a hundred percent that that was all IT. On you know, with with construction, it's there's a lot of variables, and and it's not just construction. There's a lot of other industries out there that there's variables that you really don't have control over. If, for instance the steel that was going to a project was two weeks late and you had a crew sitting around for uh-huh. that two weeks. Yeah. That's really not IT's fault. That's just happens to be the, the issue that happened to, the, to deal the job, a bad, bad hand. Yeah. So well, this is where data is going to, uh, the future of data and measuring and AI is going to really make a, a huge difference. Uh, really, Absolutely, it is when, yeah. when we start. It's really, I mean, again, it's coming down to data points and and how much you know. Where where can we start measuring more data, or where can we start grabbing data from? Um, it has been an absolute pleasure um, having you on the show. Um, I'll give you the final word if there if there was one piece of advice or um, for anyone out there listening, what would that be? Enjoy your job. I mean, that's one thing that. I see a lot of folks in, in, in the industry that are, are not super happy with what they're doing. They're not, it's not exciting. Reignite. Find something that you have, you're passionate about uh-huh. and work towards that. And, and that's something that in, in, in your position, you are steering the company down a road and you have that control and you can, you can figure out what is going to help the entire organization. You have the ability to help the entire organization by the decisions you make at your level. Yeah. Dad, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Phil. I really appreciate it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you very much. Yes, sir. 